Um, let me invite you to open up to the passage Pete has just shared with us in Luke's Gospel, the fifth chapter. We're going we're gonna to look at Simon's story in a second. Just to, again, kind of bring us into some context, we are uh, endeavoring from now until Pentecost to spend time uh, in the presence of Jesus, particularly in the presence of, of Jesus' stories as they are shared with us through the Gospels. Matthew's Gospel, Mark's Gospel, Luke's Gospel, and John's as well. And I've also in, invited you to think about sharing some of your own Jesus stories in the form of, of testimonies this winter and spring. So let me just remind you, if that's something you'd like to do, if there's a way that God has worked or is working in your life, a way that, that Jesus has been part of your story and that you'd like to share that with us, um, let me know. There's still, there's still space uh, throughout these next several weeks. Today, though, I want to uh, look with, with you at this passage in Luke 5, but also share uh, a little bit of a Jesus story that I experienced personally. About a, a month before my 20th birthday, I spent the night camped out in a tent beside a lake. Uh, it's a lake that the Bible calls a sea, the Sea of Galilee. I was, I was 19, almost 20, and in some respects, it was one of the most adventurous, one of the most exciting times in my life. I was in Israel living uh, right, right outside the old city of Jerusalem for a semester, uh, studying abroad for four months. Every week, probably two or three days, we were traveling to different parts of the Middle East. We were hiking. We were you know, traveling to all of these incredible places. There was all this excitement, and yet it was also probably the season in my life where I was struggling most profoundly with doubt. I had doubts about myself, doubts about my own purpose, my significance. I had doubts about my faith, doubts about whether God was even there to talk with about me having doubts. In the middle of all this, as I was traveling around that week up in the Galilee, visiting all of these incredible places, I wrote in my prayer journal these words. I said, God, sometimes I feel deserted and without hope. God, I need you to do something to step out beyond wherever you're at and extend your arms to me. Because I have been running from place to place to place, and my soul is tired. In that moment, as a young adult, I desired to know the love of God, to know the presence of God. But I was struggling with whether I could trust that it was there, that he was real, that he was present in my story. And so the... The next morning, as I got up beside the Sea of Galilee, camped out in this tent with a couple of my friends, we begged our way onto a small fishing boat. It was owned by a kibbutz, which is kind of like a co-op farm in Israel. They were one of the few boats that still fished the Sea of Galilee commercially, and they agreed to take us onto their crew for the day. 
And so I was going to be spending, you know, basically the whole morning, the first part of the afternoon, fishing the Sea of Galilee. And I think at any other point in my life, this would have been, you know, like bucket list item, highlight. It would just be, you know, this incredible dream come true. But on that morning, right, I I had almost reached a breaking point in my own personal walk with God. Sort of a crisis of faith. And the person I, I most wanted to be in that boat with me that morning was Jesus. I wanted to know that he was real. I wanted someone who could speak into all of the doubts and the emptiness that I felt like I was carrying around in my own life. So I had mixed emotions about what that day was going to be like. I'm not sure what your own journey through life and your own spiritual journeys have been like. Maybe some of you have or are still carrying around doubts, questions about yourself, about God, about the the reality and the person of Jesus. In my story and in the story of many, many others, both in these gospel accounts and also in people that I have met over decades. Sometimes it's at the lowest moments. It's at the emptiest moments. It's in the times of personal crisis that Jesus encounters us in an unexpected way. On mornings when we feel like our life has hit rock bottom, we discover that God is there the boat with us. So today I want to take a look at another Jesus story that happened long before my own, but one which also takes place on the shores of that same place, the Sea of Galilee, and with a man who was battling his own doubts and his own sense of crisis and emptiness. So let's look together at Luke 5. Let me pray as we do that. Lord Jesus, I imagine that most of us, if not all of us, have come here this morning because we long to encounter you. We long to see you, to be met by you. Lord Jesus, I also imagine that many of us struggle in ways to do that struggle with questions, struggle with our vulnerabilities, our sin, our brokenness, our doubt. Lord Jesus, would you come and be in the boat with us this morning and help us to hear your words to Simon and may they be your words to us. Lord, may the words of my mouth as I preach, may the meditations of all of our hearts May they be pleasing in your sight. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So we're at Luke chapter 5. We're jumping in partway through this gospel. At this point in, in Luke's telling about Jesus, it's still early days for Rabbi Jesus in Galilee. 
The first couple chapters of Luke's gospel is mostly the, the birth and in infancy account, the, the things we typically read during the Advent and Christmas season. And then chapter 3, chapter 4, Jesus comes to John. He is baptized by John. He goes into the wilderness. And when Jesus comes back, he emerges in Galilee and he begins teaching and healing and showing compassion on people in that region. And Jesus' ministry is concentrated mostly in and around the city of Capernaum. And if you look back in Luke 4, one of the people Jesus meets at the synagogue one day is a man named Simon. And Simon's mother-in-law is at home battling a serious illness, which has resulted in a high fever. And so Simon asks Jesus a favor. He says, come home and and would you see my mother-in-law? And Jesus goes into Simon's home, heals his mother-in-law, and they, they spend the evening sharing a meal together. And I think this forges the grounds for a friendship between Simon and Jesus that paid dividends a short time later as we come into Luke 5. Let's look at verses 1 and 2 as they sort of set the scene. It says, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is also referred to as the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and they were listening to the word of God. Jesus saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. As, As Luke sets the scene, I want us to try to just take a moment to imagine the picture he's painting here. Jesus is, is in Capernaum. He's out by the lake shore, probably sort of the dock, the dock area of, of the town. Quite possibly there's like a, a makeshift market where people are coming to, to buy the catch of the, the fishermen from the night before out on the lake. And here in the, the hustle and bustle of that new morning, there is Jesus teaching sharing the word of God in the marketplace. I think that itself, in and of itself is a beautiful picture, right? Jesus doesn't just confine himself to the synagogue. He's, he's out in and among the regular people. And Luke doesn't tell us what Jesus is teaching that morning. But he tells us that the next thing you know, there are so many people crushing in to hear Jesus, to listen to what he's saying that it it creates a bottleneck there in the market. And since it's hard to to teach and to be heard well in the middle of a a human traffic jam, Jesus starts to look around for a solution. And that's when he sees his friend, Simon, from who knows, the night before, the week before, the month before, who after Jesus' house call might be willing to do him a favor here. Not only does he he see Simon, he sees Simon's boat there by the shore, and he sees that it's conspicuously empty that day. Simon's not making any sails from his boat. He doesn't have any fish to sell. As we read on, we discover that last night, he and his his friends caught only weeds and, and muck and the stuff they would strain out with their nets. And so now Simon is actively 
working to clean the nets so they're ready for the next night. As Jesus and his teaching is, is drawing crowds, is gaining popularity, as, as Jesus and everything he does seems to be going splendidly there in Capernaum, here's Simon, right, frustrated, discouraged, probably feeling about as empty as his boat looks that morning. But where Simon may be feeling his own sense of failure, Jesus sees an opportunity. On this particular morning, Simon's boat has space for a passenger. Look at verse 3 through 5. So Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. And he asked him to put out just a little ways from shore. Then he sat down in the boat and taught the people. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. feels like Jesus is taking some liberties here in this new friendship, right? Again, given their connection back in chapter 4, we can assume some level of, of interaction, some level of, of familiarity between these two. Enough that, that Peter agreed in the first part of that morning to provide Jesus with essentially a floating pulpit for the day, right? Jesus is teaching Peter's there on the oars, keeping the boat in one place. But it's hard not to imagine some level of polite discomfort sort of emerging as we get to verse 4. Jesus makes a second request. Right, he says, now that, that the preaching's done, now that my speaking engagement is over, Simon Put out into deeper water. And let, let's let down the nets out there so we can catch some fish today. And as the children up here already exegeted for you, <laughs> Jesus' requests don't make a lot of sense, especially for a seasoned fisherman. Again, first of all, you don't typically catch fish in daylight. And you didn't catch fish with nets in the Sea of Galilee in daylight because they, they could see the nets and they would, they would respond and, and go the other way. That's problem number one with Jesus' idea. The second is that Jesus wants to go out into the deep water to catch fish. But on the Sea of Galilee, the catches are almost always close to the shoreline, the shallow water where there are springs that feed oxygen into the lake. That's where the good fishing was. You don't go into deep water. You don't fish during the daytime. Right? Jesus' fishing tips here sound like rookie mistakes. Commentator Kenneth Bailey paraphrases what Simon may have been thinking and hinting at in verse 5. Bailey says, 
speaking for Peter, Jesus, we've just worked the fishing areas and we've caught nothing. We're dead tired and I have even stayed awake a few more hours just to serve you. You rabbis think you know everything. And now you want to order me to fish during the day in deep water? All right, very well. Let's go out and we'll see who knows what about fishing, Jesus. And this sort of begs the question, who's in charge here? Who's the, the captain of this boat? And I think that's a question of authority, but, but maybe even beneath that, it's a question of trust. I think at, at some point in every single Jesus story, in the Gospels, in our own, there are moments of decision. Right? When either we take a step toward Jesus in, in faith, in trust, in obedience, maybe even out of desperation. Or we can choose instead to stick with our own plans. Jesus invites us to go out into deeper water with him, but he doesn't force his way. He leaves it up to us. And it seems like maybe with at least some reluctance, Simon chooses to take his boat farther out. Let's keep going in the story here in verses 6 through 10. It says, when they had done so, when they had let down the nets in deep water in the middle of the day, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they, be they both began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. And he said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. If Jesus' fishing request didn't make sense to Simon Peter, there are a couple things that don't initially make sense to me in his response to Jesus. Right? In, in a matter of moments, Jesus reverses Simon's fortunes. Right? Simon's boat goes from depressingly empty to overflowing. Right? So overflowing, his nets are breaking, he and his partners are, are, are filling their boats, and their boats are beginning to sink with fish. And I would think, right, isn't this an occasion for rejoicing? Isn't this what what Simon wakes up hoping will happen every day. They've hit the jackpot. They have enough fish to, to probably cover them for the week or maybe even the month. So how do we explain his response in verse 8? When Simon Peter, his boat overflowing with fish, when he saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me. 
this guy just made your day. Right? Jesus just, just did him this incredible favor. And so why on earth would Simon send Jesus away? Well, I think Simon, just like his boat, is experiencing this sinking feeling inside. Right? Sinking with an awareness that, that today his boat has not only been filled with fish, but by someone powerful, by someone glorious, by someone holy. And in comparison, right, I think Simon senses even more keenly his own emptiness, his own failure. He expresses this by saying, I am a sinful man. And I, don't, I don't belong in a boat with someone like you. This is the, actually the first time that word sinner is used in the Gospel of Luke. We're already five chapters in, but this is the first time it shows up like this. Right, and I think as we encounter it in the, the rest of the Gospel, is a, a sinner is someone who doubts whether God wants to or is even able to get close to them. Right? Sinners were, were people that when the name of God was mentioned, they were used to feeling a sense of, of emptiness, a sense of rejection, an awareness of, of their own brokenness. But starting here with Simon Peter, in the, in the chapters that come next, Jesus is going to kick off this whole wave of stories where he insists it's not the righteous I've come for, but for sinners, doubters, tax collectors. The woman Sarah shared about as we prayed this morning. Pagans, people with a past, people like you and me, people who know they are in trouble and who doubt whether God wants to enter into those troubled waters with them. But Simon also introduces another word here in verse 9 to the readers of Luke's gospel. He calls Jesus Lord. It's not, not master like it was in verse 4. It's Kyrie, Lord. And Jesus is no longer just a rabbi asking favors of Simon. Simon perceives that something like the presence of God has commandeered his boat. He recognizes in some way the lordship of Jesus in that moment. But I think he still believes some kind of condemnation is close at hand because of who he's close to. Right? Strangely, as we look at the scriptures, as we experience in our own lives, often an awareness of God's holiness, an awareness of God's glory, also stirs within us an awareness of our own sin, our own emptiness. And that, that can make us feel stuck. Those two things can feel irreconcilable. There are many people 
who I have met who believe that God exists, but they lack faith to believe that God loves them, that God would forgive them, that God desires to be close to them. And so they keep their distance from Jesus because they assume that's the way Jesus would have it. But as we look at the end of verse 10 and verse 11, we see that that Jesus doesn't take Simon's command. He doesn't act on that. He doesn't leave Simon there alone in his sinking boat. This is what Jesus says to Simon's confession. He says, fear not. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore. Simon and his companions left everything and followed Jesus. I love the exchange from verse 9 to verse 10. Jesus does not obey Simon's command to leave him alone, to go away. But instead, Jesus commands Simon's fears to go away and leave him alone. Me fobo. Fear not. It's like he's casting out his sense of fear and rejection. Simon, your sin, your emptiness does not need to drive this story. Instead, my abundance, my fullness, and my love will. Instead of staying in your sinking boat, come and let me teach you how to fish. As one famous preacher has put it, the same power that prompted Simon to fall at Jesus' knees, that same power now lifts Simon into God's service and mission. Simon's new job is to fish for people. Literally, the, the, the verb phrase that Luke chooses means to catch people alive. In the same way, I think that Jesus has just caught Simon and his friends, right? He doesn't wrap them up in a net to perish like fish, but he catches them up into a new life with him. And he's going to teach them to do the same. I, I love, I was talking to the Sunday school teachers next door, and they're in the book of Acts, right? Luke's gospel and the book of Acts are one big book that Luke wrote. And by the time we get there, we're going to see the nets overflowing with people that the gospel has captured. When we get to verse 11 here, we sort of end up back where we started this story, right? Two boats pulled up and left beside the lake. But the men who step out of those boats are not the same. Right? They have been transformed because of the person who stepped into those boats with them. Right? And they choose to leave everything to have life with him. My own story, my own day on the Sea of Galilee 25 years ago, it didn't, didn't end with a spectacular catch of fish. I think we caught maybe... 10 or 12 fish the entire day we were, we were out on the lake. And they had, 
a commercial operation. But while we didn't catch a lot of fish, Jesus did show up in the boat for me that morning. There were, there were four people on the lake that day with me. Uh, two of them were young, secular Israelis who lived on the kibbutz there, and they, they were there because it was a simple way of life, but it also allowed them to sort of pursue a kind of hedonism. They, they partied a lot. They had all their basic wants and needs met. And they definitely weren't interested in meeting Jesus. But the other two people on the boat that day happened to be Christians. And they were, they were people of deep faith, people who walked with Jesus. And for the, the five or six hours we were there in the boat with not a whole lot to do, we talked. And I, I think I was able for the first time to process and share some of my own doubts, some of the things I was struggling with. And I think connecting honestly with them released a burden from me, but also rekindled something in me. Right? The Jesus I wanted to see and to know was real. I saw in them that day, in the way that they spoke to me, listened to me, cared about me. And on that evening when I was on a bus ride back to Jerusalem, I wrote this in my prayer journal said, today in the boat, I realized that there is something at the very core of who I am that needs you, Jesus. And today you open my eyes to see how deep that need is, to realize that at the center of joy is you, knowing you, having the hope that only you can give. And that day on the lake was a turning point for me in my own faith to come out into deeper water with Jesus. It wasn't, it wasn't instantaneous, but it was, it was a shift in which I was able to start bringing my doubts honestly to him, my questions, my struggles, my feelings of emptiness, but also to receive from him what only Jesus could give, his grace, his truth, and life in relationship with him. That's my Jesus story. You pray with me. Lord, I pray that you would make yourself known to us. Lord, that you would come as close as we need you to. Even if that means seeing our failures, seeing our fears seeing our pride. Lord, so that we might exchange those things for a life with you. Thank you that you have come from the Father full of grace and truth so that you might make him known to us.